Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have two wonderful returning guests with us. We have our good friend, Nicole, with us today. Nicole, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm so excited. We're so <laughs> excited to have you back. And we also have the wonderful author, Denise N. Wheatley, with us today. Denise, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Well, Denise, we are excited to have you and congratulations on the release of She Gets a Happy Ending. This is the final book in your Fearless Fairy Tales series. Share with us your feelings on wrapping up this series. I'm sad. I oh, am. No. <laughs> I'm yeah. sad. You know, I love my Fearless Fairy Tale series. Bree and I have talked about this series on several occasions. I've been wanting to write Devin Jacobs' story for years. It's about a woman living in a small town in Indiana who has big dreams of moving to LA and writing for television. She's got this crush on her uh, longtime friend back home. And after he turns her down and nothing is moving at this little newspaper she's writing for, she just on a whim ups and moves to LA and just takes her chances on uh, pursuing her dream of becoming a television writer. And things work out for her, but not without their bumps. She has a lot of bumps in the road, but um, <laughs> with this third book, she gets a happy ending. Oh, she just goes through such a challenge. Um, she's where she wants to be in her career. She's got a new man in her life who we we meet in book two. Their uh, relationship goes on into book three, but then they hit their bumps. They go through their challenges. He's an actor. Things aren't going too well for him and his career while hers is flying high. That always creates problems. Mm-hmm. And this one has a Christmas feel too, so which I love. You all know I love my Christmas oh. books. Christmas. Oh, and we so, love our um, Christmas books. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think that, yeah, it was just bittersweet rounding out this story, but I really enjoyed giving her a great ending. I love the send off with the series. So while I'm a little bit sad, I do love the way that it ended. So I have to ask, so when you started thinking of Devin's story, did you imagine it being a series? You know, I didn't. I only imagined it, you know, her going to LA, getting this dream job, finding a dream man and that being the end. But I actually talked to Jane about it, who you all know owns Tuli Publishing, Jane mm-hmm. Porter. And she said, you know, I can really see this book being a series. I want to know what's going to happen to Devin once she does move. You know, where, where does her career go once she gets there? And just because she I don't even think I don't remember. I don't know if she lands her writing job in book one, maybe toward the end. I think she's looking at maybe getting that writing job. So Jane wanted to see her story progress, see what happened. And I'm glad that she did because I was able to expand it and really give her a full life and a good full ending. So, okay. Love that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we have to also congratulate you on your three book deal with Harlequin Intrigue. Thank you. Have, so is a West Coast crime, that's the name of the series, right? And then right. Heart Shaped Murders is book one. Correct. Okay. I didn't know if like the West Coast crime was tentatively the name of the series, but that's what it is. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. So it may be early, but is there anything you can share with us and listeners about what we can expect from the new series? Absolutely. So this series is about a family of law enforcement. So that's what easily parlays it into a series. We get to see each character within the family deal with their own cases, deal with their own personal lives. So in The Heart Shaped Murders, we're dealing with Lena Love. Love is the family's last name. Lena is a forensic investigator living in Los Angeles who is pursuing a serial killer. And her family lives in small town Clemington, California. So they're kind of upset with her because she's you know, got this great career, but she doesn't want to stay in Clemington to work with her father's a chief of police in Clemington, but she wants the big time. So you, you all can see my obsession yeah. with Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
she wants the big crime stories and the big crime scenes in LA. So she moves, her family's a little bitter about it. Um, she's in LA pursuing what's what we call the heart-shaped murders. I will reveal that the reason why that's his name is because he carves a heart into women's chest. Before. Oh. I, don't, I don't mean to sound so terrible. I'm sorry. But that's, <laughs> that's his signature. That's how you know he struck. He, he carves a heart in these women's chest. So she's after him. He's on to her. So then he's after her. And so she returns home to Clemington uh, after she's attacked to for reprieve. Her family is a little bit bitter, but of course they're sad because she's been attacked. Um, and then the killer ends up following her around California. So you'll have to see what happens, but that's kind of where that story goes. That's okay. so exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you. I know, you be doing the most with your entry novels, okay? <laughs> I go too far, Brie. I go too far. You really do. I know. But I have to say what excites me just hearing you talk about it is like we've been talking a lot about romantic suspense lately and how it has had to obviously pivot. And you know this as a writer with like technology and stuff. But like hearing you talk about the killer himself, it makes me think of like the Black Dahlia. It makes me think of like those old school serial killers and murderers, but in modern day. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like just how that has changed the game for writing like romantic suspense and the intrigue itself. You know, I am slightly obsessed with the smiley face killer. I don't know if you all have heard that whole story, but that's more of one of the modern day serial killing situations. And we we think we as it because I'm an investigator as well. We think that the killer is actually more than one person, but this is a real life story about these young men who go out for a night on the town and they end up being what they believe to be police believed to be drugged, they're murdered, and then they show up either in or near a body of water with a smiley face drawn somewhere close to the body. One of the creepiest cases that happened with this, there was a small town, a young man was out and his body was found standing up in a body of water from the, and you could see him standing up his shoulders, you know, and above, they were above the water, but he was dead. Oh my God. There's no trauma to the body. So they can't, police can't figure out how they're dying. And then they go missing and their bodies aren't found for a good two weeks after they go missing and but they haven't been dead that whole time. Wow. So that case is so intriguing to me and I think that definitely influenced this series that I wrote. It's not the same but it was just influenced. So I think that as mystery writers we're all slightly obsessed with you know this about me. We're obsessed with true crime. We get into these stories and they certainly leak into our writing. Mm-hmm. I'm like why haven't I heard about this? But then I'm also like but you don't go looking for true crime because I'm kind of a yeah. wimp. <laughs> I'm saying brain. The Oxygen Network did an entire series on it. So if you ever want to check it, it's all over YouTube. Really. And again, nobody's been caught. So it's still happening. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Precautionary tale, people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Standing up in water, but he's dead? Terrifying. Yes. Can you like, believe this? That could be like. like a, upon that? Oh my <laughs> gosh. That could be like a paranormal <laughs> aspect, too. That's I was, what I was thinking. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wow. That, that little part of my brain that's like I do like ghostly stuff is like right? Ooh, that would be creepy <laughs> yeah and his body was in good condition too he hadn't you know there there was not much uh decomposition so it's very strange very strange case wow. and I feel like when you start really thinking about the deep that like the details like that it's like whoever's doing this is very smart and knows absolutely that when this person is found that that's how they're going to look and that just Terrifying. Makes it even scarier to me. I don't mm-hmm. know. 
<laughs> they think the killer might have a medical background and maybe they're using some type of drugs or yeah. So definitely a smart person. And especially because they haven't been caught. This has been going on for years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a, a police detective was talking about how the majority of crimes are committed by generally not very intelligent people. And so mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to catch them. But they said that occasionally you get someone that is very, very smart and knows what they're doing. And those are the, those are the people that really scare you when they decide to turn to crime. Absolutely. Absolutely. The methodical serial killers. All right. So this next question, I actually want to put it to everyone, but we'll start with you, Denise. And it's, can you share with us one of the craziest Google searches for writing purposes on, well, for you, the heart-shaped murders, but for everyone else, uh, just in your writing in general? So one of the searches I had to do recently, I had a death that was deemed accidental, but my investigators believe that it was something else. So I had to Google how to make a body look as though it was a, an accidental death, but it was actually strangulation. What would be the signs that could pass for both? So if anybody looks in my history, they're going to think that I am trying to kill somebody <laughs> and set it up as right? So I've got to be careful with the marks on the neck, you know, got to be careful if the eyes will go black, you know, from, from, you know, how you can get the black eyes with strangulation. So mm -hmm. that, that was one of the recent searches that I had to do. That one was pretty crazy. All right, Nicole, how about you? Um, I had to search if, um, shooting yourself in the shoulder and not die, but then also have your full capability of like movement of your shoulder. Like, is there a okay. way to shoot yourself in the shoulder? Because well, okay. with my character, when I was writing this whip is because she wanted it to, she wanted to make it look like she was dead and it was a fatal shot, but, um, it was a way for her to get out of a terrible situation. It's very, it's, it's like a, it's like a point zero 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 three percent chance that you could <laughs> shoot at just the right angle to have full range of motion on your shoulder. But, <laughs> but yeah, there, there is a way you just have to miss a lot of stuff. That's a risky chance you would have to take. It's very yeah. risky. You have to weigh like the situation you're in versus, <laughs> so yeah, she, right. she yeah. thought it was necessary. So <laughs> well, All I right, haven't looked up anything crazy for like my writing, but I do remember like the first reel I wanted to do for the podcast Instagram, I was like Googling, trying to find like dead teenage boys in alleys in Hollywood. And I couldn't find oh anything. <laughs> like that's like, the surprising part. There's probably a reason anything. why I can't find anything because they're not going to just put this stuff out on the internet. Or and you I should just, have Googled Chicago, Brie. You would have found it. Probably no. should have, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I got to this point where I got scared and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be looking for this. Like, doesn't the government track everything there? If they do, I'm going to jail. Well, mine was, I had to, this was for a paranormal I was writing, and I had to research how much blood does someone have to lose to die of blood loss. Mm. And it was actually probably one of the tamer ones. Okay. <laughs> but, but still. Yeah. Yeah. What are the answers? Like, that could be like you're keeping someone alive in your basement. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I, think, I, I don't remember the exact answer. I think it was like four to six liters, something like that. 
Okay. So depending on the size of the person. Yeah. Well, good to know, Erin. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so Denise, from yours, has there, an, has there been a, like an answer that you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that? Like something that totally shocked you? You know, I don't remember the answer to this one, but I was writing a proposal about, oh, now this is really bad. This one was about <laughs> dismembering a body because this woman was trying to dismember a body and then dissolve it with acid, put it in a container. I had to figure out a container that wouldn't dissolve. With the acid. Oh, yeah. Breaking bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some of the answers that came up under that one, what those were pretty, I don't remember them all, but I just remember that search being, that was very, very informative. I'll say that. Let's get into some writing stuff. Yes. We want to start like basics here, bare bones. An author comes, an aspiring author comes to you with an idea for a story, but really unsure of how to get started. What's the initial advice you would give to them? Okay. Well, first, let me say this. Any author who comes to me looking for advice has probably already written down a lot of ideas, a lot of notes, outlines, maybe even started a proposal. So I always tell aspiring writers, you have got to get over the hump, get on the computer, type chapter one, and just go. Because it is so, you know, you can really get in your own head when it comes to starting a book. I think people feel like they're being watched when they're really not. It was just you and your computer. Oh, yeah. yeah, nobody's judging you. Nobody's reading over your shoulder. You can, you just have to go for it. And I know that is, that's hard. It's not easy to do. Look, many, many years ago, I had to take that step. You know, in my younger days, it was, it was a lot easier for me. Now I have to do proposals and outlines and so forth. But I really just took the leap and, and typed chapter one and just started. And then I said to myself, just see how far you can go. So mm -hmm. it's really line by line. It's don't look at it as a full book. Look at it word by word, line by line and say to yourself, can I get a, a, a paragraph done? Once you get that paragraph done, can I get a page done? You'll get the page done. Yeah. And then challenge yourself to write a chapter. And once you challenge yourself to do that, just, you know, you keep going and that's how you build. And also the biggest piece of advice, do not keep going back and editing your work because you will never finish. Write it and then keep going. You can always go back. The hardest part is just getting the words down. So that's my, that would be my initial advice. All right. Well, can you talk about writing characters? What do you, what do writers need to know and understand about spending time with and getting to know the characters they're writing? So usually for me, the idea of what the plot line will be comes first. So I think about my plot first. What is this book going to be about? And then I think about the two main characters. What are their careers? That That's always really important. There's always a romantic element to my book. So I know that'll be there. But what do they do for a living? And then what are their motives. So once I get those larger things figured out, I can start visiting the smaller things. What are some of their quirks? What makes them tick? Uh, do they have little personality traits that might come out? Do they have a sense of humor? Are they kind of dry and flat? So usually the characters start to develop as the plot unfolds for me. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I really get to know my characters as I write. The quirks yeah. come to me as the, as the plot unfolds, as the book goes on. So that's the fun part about it. And then once you start rewriting and editing, you add even more because you know them so well, you know, so that's how you kind of layer it and, and add more and more characteristics to each character. That's actually great to know because I've sometimes gotten bogged down in like these, these character sheets where it's like, go through what's their astrological sign, you know, what's, yeah. what's their biggest nightmare, uh, you know, things like that. And, and I'll look at that and I'll be like, you know what, I, I don't know. And, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it away for now and step away because yes. you know, I get overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard to make up a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And you know what? It's so funny, Aaron, because once you start writing, you'll be mid-story and say, oh, this person seems like a Scorpio. And it'll come to you, an astrological sign might come to you because of their actions, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it will come through through the story. And I agree with you. It's hard to create a person when you really don't know exactly what it is that they're doing, what are, what is happening around them, what are their motives. So that that's a good point. You can get bogged down by starting at that point. So Nicole, with you, you have your like first official work in progress. It's, it's being edited, right? Did you send it to the editor last time we Not chatted? Not yet. Yeah. June is when I send it to my editor. I'm June. Trying, I'm still okay. trying to finish it. I probably, I'm just, I'm procrastinating. I just need to get that, get it done and over with. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, June is when I send it off. So it's terrifying and that's going to be in somebody else's hands, but that's it's a part of the process. So for your character, <laughs> did you have the experience of them coming to you as you were writing or did you kind of map everything out beforehand? Honestly, my current work in progress, it started with a title and um, which was strange. I've never had anything start with a title before. Usually it's a scene that I'm imagining like these two characters in a scene. This is how the scene is going. And I kind of have to build around that. I kind of like, okay, what has gotten them to this point? Like what is going to motivate them to get over this kind of thing? But this current whip is it just started with a chapter. So I'm just like, okay, well, what can I write? I knew it was a paranormal because it has succubus in the title. So I was like, okay, one of our characters is a succubus. And um, and it kind of just evolved from there. And it turned into a polyamorous, you know, seven swords and all that. But um, but yeah, it was very it was it was kind of like Start with the ch- started with the title, and then I just kind of how Denise said I just started chapter one, and that's I've never written that way from start to finish like that chapter one. It was very strange. <laughs> Usually, I'm writing like all around the scene that I just first picture, but um, but yeah, it was really it, that was kind of how everything just kind of grew from that title. It was and it was it was okay. interesting. It was an interesting experience. I do feel like I get so caught up in the rules, right? You hear so much advice of like you need to get to know those characters and that's going to help you figure out the conflict and up and like before I know it Aaron like you said like I'm just going to set this down from now and like walk away from it you know you get so (laughs) caught up in the the rules and it's like I just need to sit down and actually like you have the idea I think like Denise like you said just sit down and just write chapter one and Mm -hmm. like don't focus so much on the rules but I feel like to really write a good romance, like you have to know the rules at the same time. I don't know, Brie. I don't really follow any rules, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do have a degree in English with a focus on writing, but you know, reading books all my life taught me how to write. Yeah. And I know that there is somewhat of a formula to romance, but you know, and I grew up reading my, you know, this, I grew up reading my mother's books. So that was Sydney Sheldon, Jackie Collins, Danielle Steele. So I learned writing by reading mm-hmm. and I, you know, the formulas have changed over the years, but I, I still kind of have that, have that old school sense of the books. So for me, it I guess maybe it came naturally because of what I learned through those books that I read. So a lot of the studying, I, I know it. I've read about it. I listen to other people's methods, but then you really have to do what comes naturally for you. Mm-hmm. So what feels right for you to get the words down on the paper? Because, you know, you, have, you and I have talked privately about the writing process and so forth. And I think we kind of shared that, you know, do what feels right for you. Because I always say this about, about Brie, you're, and I tell my mother this, you're a romance expert, period. You've read enough books. Mm-hmm. You've done enough studying. You know your stuff. So you just have to trust yourself to but know. that doesn't mean I don't, I don't know how to write. Yes, you do. You just, <laughs> I'm not listening to you. <laughs> 
well, Bree, you're, you're talking about like you have to know the rules when you're writing. You know the rules. There are two rules yep. when it comes to writing romance. You know what they are. Everything else, you can add whatever you want. You know, it's like know. the rule number one, there has to be an HEA. Rule number two yep. is the characters, the main love interests have to be the center focus. You know those yep. rules. Yep. You got them down pat. The number one rule is write your book. That's yeah. number yeah. one rule. <laughs> you, you write your book. Well, okay. So I was at the bookstore yesterday and my because my husband actually wanted to go. Surprise, surprise. Oh, no. <laughs> Books that may not get read for 10 years, but we were there yesterday. <laughs> and I was looking and, and I wanted to ask you this because I knew we were hopping on. It feels like now as in, in the traditional world, and I'm actually seeing a lot of indie books at Barnes and Noble now, which oh, I love nice. to see. Yes. But you see all of these like really crazy original ideas. And I'm like, I don't really have an original crazy idea. I just want to start off writing what I know and what I kind of cut my teeth on. I want to start off sweet, small town, and then work my way up because I have other ideas, but that's where I want to start. And I think there's this like fear and intimidation of like, well, I don't have like a bromance book club original type of idea, you know? So it's like, what would you say to aspiring writers that are kind of feeling like that? Like, I just want to write what I know, and it may not be the most original idea, but that's what I want to start with. This is what I would say. Look at how many sales authors have who write small town sweet romance, and they maintain those sales with each small town romance that they write. Mm -hmm. I read a tweet the other day. It was a woman who compared romance books. You all may have seen this romance books to Starbucks. I go to Starbucks and I get the same order every day. It may be the same, but I love it. So I buy it every day and every day I enjoy it just as much as I did the day before. No one will have your voice. No one will have your idea. Just because your story is set in a small town and it's sweet, your voice is different, your story, your characters. So it will never be the same as anybody else's. We love, I, I love to write sweet small town romances and, and people seem to really enjoy them. So I would say to anyone with that thought, it's original because it's from you and you're original. It's only one you. So as long as you're not copying anybody else's story verbatim, you, you've come up with a new idea. That's that's how I feel about it. And when those big picture things might be similar, it's the small intricacies and nuances of your book that is going to make yours stand out, whether you're trying to or not. Yep. I love that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Nice confidence boost there. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this question actually just came to me, Denise, but you put out a reel that uh, that said first draft is the worst draft. And what what is it in your own writing that you feel like um, is, I guess, common that you need to, to go back and, and rework in in the following drafts? I am so wordy and long winded. <laughs> and I will just pack a sentence and sometimes I have to go back and say, you know what, that wasn't necessary. But you know, I, I'd rather have too much than not enough because you, I think it's mm -hmm. easier to cut down. So that is one of my toxic traits that I will write sentences that don't need to be as long as they are. So between me fixing it, my editor fixing it, usually they don't see the light of day, thank God. But I think that that's something I do. And you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on it, but in a way it's like when you're just trying to get the book out, I give myself grace and say, you know that you do this, but you know how to fix it. So mm -hmm. and when you, again, when you have more to deal with, you can kind of tailor a sentence down to exactly how you want it to read. So, and again, that kind of goes into my point of not editing while you're writing, because if I were to stop and try and correct every sentence I did that to, I would never finish a book. So just write it, let, let your toxic traits fly, go back in, fix them all, you know, once you're done. So that would be my, my, point on that and then my advice on how to deal with it. Did you stay away from that, Nicole, when you were doing yours? Like, did you just write or did you... <laughs> did you 
I'm an edit. That's why I'm not making any progress, you guys. And I promise <laughs> I'm working on it. But every day I reread and I'm like, oh, let's just take this out. This is stupid. And I'm not getting anywhere. So sometimes it's hard because like, let's say you're on a really good streak and you're getting so many words down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You eventually have to stop for the day, correct? So you have to sleep sometime. So you get back at it the next day. And for me, I always kind of read like a few, like maybe like a page before or two pages before or like the chapter before just to kind of get the flow back like how I because you know you want to get back in that groove and it always kind of leads to like oh there's a mistake let me just fix that real quick I'm here you know <laughs> so uh-huh. it's like it's it always happens that way but um I kind of how I kind of fix it is I maybe I don't start so far back maybe I just start like a paragraph or two you know reading into it and getting back in the groove but yeah my first whip my first ever whip took that took me forever to write is because I just kept going back and reading from chapter one okay let's get no matter how far I got I got in the whip I would always whenever I sat back down to start it again okay chapter one let's don't do that don't do that because <laughs> yeah. you will just you'll go through like oh that's a mistake oh this this sentence is a little long and you'll never like Denise said you'll never get it finished Nicole that is such good advice I think the further you go back when you're ready to start picking up that next day then you're going to go back even further. Because if you find too many mistakes on that one page you read, you're going to go back to the one before it. Because you're going to say, you know what, if I did that on this page, I must have really done it on the page before. And that is where you get lost. So I don't like to go back more than a paragraph to warm up, but then you just, you keep going. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Bree, to your point, I think that newer writers doubt themselves so much you can't help but to keep going back and back because you keep trying to polish what you wrote before. You don't have the confidence to just say what I wrote was good enough and keep going. And you know what else I'll say? I hope you do this. If you ever take something out of your book because you don't think it's good enough, save it in another document because you never know. You might like it a week from then, a month from then. I do that a lot. There might be something that doesn't fit, but I'll still keep it just in case because you know your moods change. When you're not in a good mood, you're not going to like your writing no matter how good it is. So if you're not feeling great one day and you write something and you hate it, don't delete it. Just keep it, but t- you know, save it somewhere else because you might revisit it and think, oh, this was brilliant. You know. So can we talk conflict? Do you have any advice or guidance on how to know or when you'll know when your conflict isn't strong enough? So I think you'll know, well, first of all, if, if your book is ending too soon and your resolution comes too easily, your conflict is usually, usually not strong enough. You have to think like a reader. So take yourself out of the writing shoes and think like a reader. What would readers think of this conflict? Would it be enough for them? And if you think you should have more twists, because I'll tell you, readers love to be engaged. They love the twists. They love the turns. And all of that is what builds your conflict. So think, will my reader be excited? Is, is this conflict strong enough to really make them feel fantastic when they get that happily ever after at the end of this book? Will they feel satisfied? And if you don't think that whatever your conflict is, is enough to give them that big sigh of, of uh, relief, then you probably want to go back and strengthen it. I think a great book that has great conflict is How Stella Got Her Groove Back by Terry McMillan, which is one of mm-hmm. my dreamy favorites. I loved that book so much. But all the obstacles she had, you know, she's on an island. She meets this man who's much younger than her. He lives there. And there was so much conflict. And then in the end, when you see that they end up being together and he comes to be with her, 
in the States. Oh, it was just a dream. I, I couldn't read another book after that one for so long because I was so swept away. I wanted to go to an island and find my husband and live happily ever after. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so where's my you, island husband? Where's yeah. my island husband? So if you can draw that out of a reader and you've built enough of a strong story and a fight that's just been keeping your two main characters apart and they finally find their way to one another at the end, then I think that uh, you've got great conflict. And I think instinctively we know. Because again, look at it from a reader's point of you're not a writer, step back and look at it as a reader and instinctively you'll know. Now, would you be willing to talk us through your writing process? Uh, does your process change depending on the book? So back in my younger days, when the world was my oyster, I was that young whippersnapper. I could sit down chapter one and just fly through a book. Now I can't remember anything. I'm on deadline. I'm under a lot of pressure. You know, everything's changed. So I always start with a really full, solid proposal. My proposals are supposed to be two to three pages. They're never that. They're always so much longer. My editor said, nope, it's okay. Just keep it. I put dialogue in my proposal. Somebody never wanted to do that. <laughs> put a whole chapter in the proposal. Nobody asked me to do that, but I can't help myself. But it's a good guide for me. So I always start there because that's another thing I think for aspiring writers. And it's not something to get caught up in because we can always get caught up, I think, in the outlining and the, in the proposals. Mm -hmm. But if you have a really strong basis for what your entire book is about from start to finish, you'll feel much more confident when it's time to write the book. So for me, starting with that proposal is fantastic. I recently started hopping around with these books. I wrote the epilogue to my last book when I was in the middle of it because I was just in the mood, you know? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've come to learn that whenever you are burning to write a certain part of the book, write that because you may not feel like writing the scenes leading up to it. You know it needs to be there. So just write where wherever you're at because it'll be good and why wait when it's what's, you know, burning and it's still you getting the words on the paper. So yeah. especially with the intrigues, I do hop around more with those. With the more sweet romances, I'm kind of able to go all the way through with those start to finish and not hop around as much. So that's that's interesting that you hop around with the intrigues. Um, how, how do you keep the continuity of the mystery and everything straight? Do you have that already lined up in your head and, and Absolutely. You're just uh, putting the pieces together? Absolutely not, Aaron. I wish I, I wish I had that <laughs> ability. I don't. She doesn't follow the rules, okay? <laughs> I don't follow the rules. So needless to say, my notes app on my phone is full. I'm always coming up with new ideas with the intrigues because you have so much conflict with those, so many twists, so many turns, and you cannot leave any plot line unfinished. So mm -hmm. th that makes those a little bit more complicated. But I think you have so many different scenes with those books because you might just have one action scene that you need to write. You can do that separately because you know what's going to happen. And if that's the one, because you have to be in a certain mood to write those crazy, the chase scenes, the attacks, the fights. Cool. And if you're in the mood to write one of those, that's easy to hop to, to mm -hmm. write. So, but I keep it straight with definitely with the notes app. I think even okay. uh, Julianne Lindsay, she had said, because she writes for Intrigue as well, but she also writes Cozy Mysteries. She also, she has said in the past that, you know, sometimes when she's writing, you know, her who done it, she doesn't know who done it until the end. <laughs> so it's like, sometimes it even surprises her. So I like, surprises that's just amazing, you. you know, like how, like you as an author, sometimes you don't have to know. And that's kind of like the beauty of creation, right? You're the creator and it can happen different every single time. You know, it's like, you can have like one whip you're having, you can have a full outline, you know, it's start to finish. Sometimes you start at the end, like Denise, like you just decided to write the epilogue because that's what you were feeling. And like, you're the creator, you can do whatever you want. You know, it's like, it's not going to happen the same every single time. And that's kind of wonderful. I love that Julie has the rules. Right. <laughs> and I love that Julie has a book she wrote and she didn't know who did it. And to me, that means maybe her character started to develop a life of their own. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure maybe she had some idea who it might be. 
But then as the book went it, on, yeah, yeah, she said, no, change. this would be a better villain. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I was taking some notes and I have some random thoughts that I want to just piggyback off of as you were talking. So can you talk us through when, so when you say I submitted a proposal, are you, can walk us through that. Do you go to like your editor and you're like, this is the new series I want to work on. And they say, send me the proposal. Is that kind of how that goes? Or do you just, Hey, here's a proposal here. It's in your inbox. Like walk us through that process. So what I like to do with my editor, I always pitch an idea first. My editor is very blunt and she is very honest. And if she doesn't like an idea, she'll tell me, I don't want her because again, you know, my proposals, I do too much. So before I even start that process, I'll say, Hey, I have an idea. I'll give her a short pitch. And, uh, and then she'll say, okay, I like that right of the proposal. And then I'll write that up. And she gives me her input on those as well. So she may feel like I need to look, dial it down in certain places or punch certain things up. And my, my editor, this is what I love. You need another murder in this story. So let's kill somebody else. I'm like, all right. Yeah. All right. We're killing another person. Okay. Right. So, but the, the proposal process is definitely a collaborative effort, but I never just submit something without her knowing the idea first. I think that's, you know, because then I'll know I didn't waste, you know, eight plus pages on something that is not going to fly because she doesn't like it. What would you say are some need to knows, whether it's now, or even if you want to say, okay, Denise and Wheatley as an author back in the beginning, what were things that you wish you had known or somebody had explained to you back then when you were starting? What do you feel like new, new authors now, business-wise, need to know? Oh, well, so much has changed. You all know my first book came out in 2004, so a lot has changed in the business. No matter where you are in the industry, follow your gut. I've taken bad advice from agents. I, you know, things that I knew probably weren't right, but I let the whole, you know, that whole, oh, I can get you a better deal. I can get you more, you know, that whole, I can get you more money. And I passed up on opportunities that I should have jumped on um, when when presented. Um, so trust yourself, trust your instincts. Uh, you, I think people know when they're getting into a situation that might not be that great. If it's new, maybe think about not signing on for three books. You're okay to just do one because if this publisher wants to continue working with you, you'll get, you know, more deals. So you don't have to inundate yourself with these, you know, larger contracts because then you're bogged down. And then if you don't, you know, really vibe with who you're working with, you're stuck and you have to continue writing, you know, however many books you've got under your contract. So always bet on yourself. I think that as, as creative people, we get so excited when someone wants our product that mm -hmm. sometimes we negate some of the business aspects for ourselves, things that we should maybe reconsider. Is this publisher right for me? Is this agent right for me? Um, you know, you don't have to jump on the first opportunity. You can say, give me a few days to think about this and weigh your options. So we, we should, I think we should, um, you know, take more power in what the product that we have, because in the, in the end, we're the ones with the product that we're allowing these people and companies to put out into the world. So keep that in mind when you're looking to shop a book. So true. I feel like authors now, like you guys really are a brand, right? Yeah, <laughs> you 100%. have to be yeah. mm -hmm. on Instagram. You have to be on Twitter. Y'all are on TikTok now and it's, mm -hmm. uh, and you're writing. It, it just feels like, and then that's just what we see. We're not even seeing like the behind the scenes business part of it. It feels like y'all are like 24 seven on one. I feel mm -hmm. like. 
Yeah. I, and you know what? It's almost like running a marathon. You know, how you have to get in shape and start working to run this marathon. It gets mm-hmm. like that. You build, you start building the muscle, you build the stamina because that really is what it is. You're responsible. A lot of us are doing all of our own promo where, you know, I don't have a, an editor that I hire before I submit my book. So I'm I'm my editor. Um, and, you know, even I forget those things. You get these contracts, you're writing these books, you forget everything else that goes along with that. You have to go through three runs with uh, the editing process. Process before your book is going to go into production. So, and you do have that responsibility to create this brand, have a presence on social media, find something interesting to post, keep up with the latest, you know, uh, trends on what's cool and what, you know, it, it is definitely overwhelming. I need a 10 year old in my life to help me figure out this whole TikTok thing. <laughs> Somebody lend me a child. To come <laughs> lend me I need a they kid. They are the experts. They are the experts. So I'm, I'm on TikTok. I, I do the the best I can, but you know, that one is, um, you know, so yeah, it is a lot, but I think again, you build up your stamina, you get, you create a rhythm for yourself. And then when you love it, when you, when you putting your product out that you're so proud of, I think that does make it easier. So how is the, I mean, is there a conversation that's being had with you all as authors? Like what inspires the decision for you all, or for you speaking in your own experience to join, like to say TikTok. For me, I look at it as, is somebody telling them, hey, you may have potential readers over here that you're missing out on if you're not in that space. That's what I'm making up in my mind that like somebody is coming to you and saying, and then you have to stew on it for like three days in your little writer corner. Like, well, damn it, maybe I should do this. But like, when do I have the time to do this? What inspires the choice to now put your presence somewhere else? Because like you have a wonderful website and you're an author that actually updates it quite frequently. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Now there's this extra thing, you know, and we could even take TikTok out of it and just say something else. But what inspire, what what motivates you to be like, okay, I'm going to do this too? Well, you know, I am so lucky to have a group of fellow authors that are so supportive and open to sharing. And these people are so contemporary and they're hip, they're in the know. So I definitely have had authors say, hey, you need to get on TikTok. You know, there's, and and it was already booming. The, you know, book talk was booming when I got on. Mm -hmm. So, because again, I I probably wouldn't have done it, but it's somewhere that we do need to be. We need a presence there as well. So I think for me, the influence is definitely having fellow authors. And that's important to have relationships with other writers um, who are in the know. And one thing, you know, the whole established author thing, I think some of the best friends you can have are are aspiring authors because aspiring writers are the ones who are doing all the research. Aspiring writers know everything or the writers that might just have one book out, two books, getting that first book out. They're so smart. So I think having friends that run the gamut from those to the friends who've published close to 100 books. You know, I have both and all of them are so, you know, full of information and support. So I, I think that's the number one thing, though, because having that community is what keeps you in the loop of what is working well and what might not be working well for uh, authors and for the book, you know, the book world. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important for you all? I mean, because like you said earlier, y'all are doing most of your own promo and marketing. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like whatever you're willing to share, like why it is important. It just, it's so much more than just us seeing you do a video on TikTok. There's a reason you're doing the video on TikTok. Right. You mean, why is it so important to have the support of other authors and those relationships? Why why it's important for you all to do that period. Yeah. 
Oh, you mean to have that presence? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's so many writers out here. There's so many books out here. So I think finding a way to stand out in the industry, uh, you know, finding new and inventive ways is just, it's important to, you know, in order to get your brand out there. So if you can gain five or 10 new readers on TikTok alone, you know, TikTok, it spreads. A lot of people share work over there. And then it's it becomes word of mouth too through social media. So I, I just think it's important because it's, it's helping to build your brand build your presence and, and get your name out there more. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for indulging me. All right. So a fun question here. Would you ever consider writing for a different line for Harlequin? I I would love a Harlequin Presents by Denise N. Wheatley. Right? Oh, thank you, Aaron. Will you the fairy tale? <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, I will say this. That is in the works. So I can't say too much. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's in oh, the so works. exciting. But, uh, <laughs> Me and Nicole's yeah. face. <laughs> well, not, not presents. It's not present. Not presents yet. But I, I am in talks to start branching out and doing some writing with some of the other lines. So I'll definitely still be writing my suspense because that's, you know, where my heart is. And I want to continue doing my Christmas too, the sweet Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, that'll continue. But I am definitely uh, working toward getting involved in some of the other lines. So that, that news will be coming soon. Oh, my oh, God. So exciting. <laughs> How do you sleep at night? I don't. I don't. I don't. Trust me. This has just been incredible. You're so smart. Thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for indulging us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a fun time. I I love chatting with you all. You know that. So anytime. Thank you for inviting me. I'm just like a tree in the wind. I'm just so happy to be included. <laughs> I'm just learning so much and it's wonderful. Well, thank you well, for being here. We're all looking forward to your first self-publish, so we're we're anxiously awaiting it. I know. Send it to the editor. June can't come fast <laughs> I enough. Know. I know. Nicole, Nicole, can you tell us what your book is about? It's a paranormal uh, polyamorous romance about a succubus and um, it's like a fantasy realm where Succubus has been around for a while and she's has this deal with the kingdom to protect them from evil things that are happening. But now that generations have gone by, that's kind of been lost in the works. And um, now these this king and queen that's in the throne right now, they kind of want to get rid of her. And so they send this group of seven men out to, you know, unalive her. And they actually start a relationship and they get to know her and they fall in love and realize that there's more to the story than what the king and queen have told them. And yeah, it's kind of, it just goes from there. Oh, I love that. Now, wait, are all seven of these men? Did you say it's seven men? Seven. Oh, yeah. All oh seven it's men. fire. I was <laughs> Absolute like, oh, fire. And, and all seven men fall in love? All seven. Lucky number seven. Okay. Yeah. Now is this a, is this a sexy book? This is this is not a clean book. I'm assuming. Oh, this, no. oh, this is Nicole. We're talking about. <laughs> this one has several fire emojis. Okay. Yes, this is very, I like it. Very sexy fire emojis. Very I like it. I, have you revealed the title yet, or is that still under wraps? Uh, I haven't revealed really much of anything, but yes, I do have the title out. It's called uh, The Succubus and the Seven Swords. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And by Denise, seven... didn't you do? I've seen a paranormal you know, with your I name did, on it. I did a couple. I did The Shadow of a Man with uh, Ecstasy Books, and I did uh, Valentine's Slay. Okay. So both of okay. those were paranormals. I did a little fiery stuff back in my day with Ecstasy Books. So, nice. yeah. I mean, Ecstasy Books. There you go. <laughs> I know. It's in the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
And a little known fact about me, I used to write uh, very, very heavily for Upwork. And I did a ton of erotica uh, for them ghostwriting mm-hmm. some years ago. So that's kind of what prompted me to start writing for Ecstasy because I'm like, I keep doing this for everybody else. Why don't I do it for myself? So that kind of got me, <laughs> you know. And then I cleaned it up a little bit and started writing a little Christmas romances. So now I just kill people in intrigues. I've been all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what hasn't she done? <laughs> do you miss... Did, I mean, did you enjoy the paranormal that you write that you wrote? I mean, do you ever miss it? You know, I did enjoy the paranormal. I, I think it's so creative. Your mind can really wander because you're creating those worlds on your own. And I think that, you know, to put something so large together, it's it's really um I think that really it has to expand your mind and your writing Um, because I know Nicole can attest to this with that. There's so many layers you have to cover because you need your reader to understand everything. You know, it's not just earth that we all Mm -hmm. already we're familiar with it. You're creating a world from top to bottom and then how things work, how these creatures really are. They're not human. So there's so much you won't understand. And you have to make a reader understand that. So that's it's fun. It's interesting and it's fun. Yep. Interesting, fun. Sometimes it's difficult, but <laughs> definitely difficult. That it is very difficult. So that's yeah. what makes it special. Yeah, it is special. But yeah, this just kind of came to fruition, and this is the one I'm starting with. And <laughs> why? I don't know. <laughs> this is the story you were meant to write. You were yes. meant to write it. This is like everything you love. It is in it's one story. True. True. Very true. Yeah. I, you know, I love paranormal romance. You know, I just, ugh. and I love, I don't know. I just love, I'd love the creating aspect. And I never thought I would write a polyamorous with seven men, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> the time is now. Well, I know that's a very popular genre and those books do really well. So Nicole, I wish you the best. I'm very excited about yeah. it. So, Thank you yeah. so much. You're I can't welcome. Wait. I can't wait for my, you know, copy to arrive in the mail. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, Nicole, Denise, thank you so much for coming back on. We always love having you. Thank well, you. thank you for having me. I'll come back anytime, anytime. I love being here with you all. Same. Thank you so much. Nicole, where can everybody follow you online? Uh, you can follow me on all the social media platforms at some form of Who Picked This Book, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> I'm there. Okay. And Denise, where can everyone keep up with you online? So and you I'm- don't don't skimp on the TikTok. <laughs> Brie, you just want me to keep dancing on TikTok. <laughs> I did my two little dance videos and I'm done. So you can start with my Instagram. That's Denise underscore weekly underscore writer. And I have every everything else linked from there. I think everywhere else I'm either Denise underscore weekly underscore writer or just Denise Wheatley. Denise Wheatley on Twitter. And then I'm linked everywhere else. Denise N. Wheatley is the website. Okay. Well, you will definitely have to come back. You know, we'll have you back for something. So thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, The Heart Shaped Murders comes out uh, May 24th. Oh my gosh. Oh. That's sooner than I thought. So I don't know sad. why... I was thinking it was going to be later. Okay. So yeah, I'm doing, you'll be back. I'm doing my cover reveal on Instagram on April 1st. And Seal with Romance Landia is doing my cover reveal on Twitter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we so. can't wait. So you will be back. She will be back, listeners. Well, yeah. <laughs> check the show notes. We'll have links to everybody's places online where you can keep up with them. And we'll talk to you in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. Thank you for listening.